Welcome, listeners. Welcome to the inaugural edition of my uh, new podcast, Admire. I'm Larry Woodard, and this is Admire, where each week it's my privilege to have a conversation with an outstanding guest from business, sports, entertainment, or education. Today, it's an absolute honor for me to have as my first guest, Jerome Junkyard Dog Williams. Jerome was in the NBA for nine years, played for the Detroit Pistons, the Toronto Raptors, the Chicago Bulls, the New York Knicks, but everybody who watched them know that Jerome actually pay, played for the fans. Nobody out-hustled JYD on the floor. After the NBA, he's taken the same passion and hustle into every initiative he's undertaken, and now is president of Big Three Basketball's Young Three Youth Initiative, as well as founder of a nationwide movement called Shooting for Peace. He does a few other things on the side as well, because this is a busy man. But anyway, JYD, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Larry? How you doing, man? Thank you, man. Um, thank you for being on, and also thank you for that uh, that bark, man. Because I'm telling you, when you summon the dog pound, the dog pound shows up. So that's very exciting. Um, look, before we even jump in and start talking about other things, uh, why don't we uh, why don't you give us your perspective on the NBA, the coronavirus, and and how you see all this playing out? What's on everybody's mind right now? Wow, you know, when I think of you know basketball in general started you know we got a shot in the arm from the nba just uh shutting down basketball so all immediate eyes turn to march madness and say well you know we're gonna look at this college game and, and two days within two days of that the ncaa started shutting down local you know regional tournaments from the big east to the acc and that really you know, just was a huge eye-awakening moment that sports as we know it were about to change uh, due to the COVID-19. And it's been really tough. Uh, you think about it, Larry. This is, we have a culture, I mean, built around sports and competitiveness. And just like the coming seasons of fall, winter, spring, summer, you know, we're, that's how the sports world works. And if you shut off a season, um, you know, in a climate, you know, that has a, that has an effect. Yeah, it's, um, it's quite amazing. I mean, uh, for most of us who lived through 9-11 and other things like that, sports was pretty much what got us through. You know, I mean, when the Yankees did their run, man, everybody was hanging on to every game because that was, that was hope for us. And now when you look at the absence of sports, uh, I was working with, um, uh, with the Disney Wide World of Sports, and they prepared a document called The Power of Sports where they said any given Sunday morning there were more families together around sports than there were actually in churches. And this is a big, big deal. It is. It is. And, you know, it's all about the psych, you know, the psychological aspects. You have former athletes who depend on sports. You have uh, business people that depend on sports. Uh, sports brings people together, brings countries together, uh, brings the nations together. And without those sports, it, it you know it has many people in society searching for something to fill that void. And unfortunately, due to the virus, uh, it it is limiting the different outlets that we could personally seek. Um, 
But as in anything, um, I think the way I live my life is that you have to depend on your faith. So that's the first thing I turn to. Um, I turn to my Lord and Savior. So many people have to figure out those kind of things. And it's just been really tough because you can see the struggle um, in society when you look at um, just going to the grocery store and you see the images of people overstocking. Well, that shows me that there's just, you know, a fragment of, you know, of, of psyche there. Because if you're thinking of your fellow neighbor, why would you compile toilet paper to the point where, you know, you you have enough toilet paper to wipe for an entire year. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with, with everything that you're saying. And so this is going to be something that, uh, interestingly enough, even though we're, we're apart and we're having to, you know, to sort of sequester ourselves, the fact of the matter is, is there's no way that we're going to get over this unless we're somehow together. And somehow we'll have to look for those commonalities. And I like that you said faith. You know, uh, I know that, that my church has been doing a really good job with Zoom uh, of doing small Bible studies and what have you. So at least we're seeing each other. We're getting together, you know, uh, on a regular basis. And, and that means uh, means a lot. Look, uh, let's uh, let's talk to the listeners and give the you know, listeners an overview of what you're doing right now. Uh, why don't you talk about Young 3? What is it and where is it and, and, and why? Wow, you know, you know, the big three is is taking off. I mean, this is going into the fourth year of big three and three on three basketball, professional basketball, uh, especially during this time. Uh, they're talking about doing a tournament, a uh, quarantine tournament for just people to get back to sports. And I think that Ice Cube and Jeff Quadnick are doing a tremendous job of, you know, trying to fill the void of, of basketball and sports. Mm-hmm. And to see a little sports would be great for all of us, especially live sports and, and, and something that's uh, current. And within that, they've been innovators um, around professional basketball. And the young three is that youth movement of basketball but in the three-on-three realm. Everybody knows that, you know, basketball is played five-on-five. And on the parks, you know, we've been playing one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, even four-on-four, just whatever it takes to get the competition going. Uh, but three-on-three basketball is around, you know, just as long as five-on-five because you always don't have a set of ten right. uh, to go with. And three-on-three is what we play in the NBA during the season, a lot of times to, um, you know, prevent injuries and to build skill sets. Uh, you know, in three on three basketball, everybody touches the ball, everybody is um, a part of the offense and or defense. And that's what all kids around the country should be playing, even in uh, my son's AAU um, program that he plays in year round. They play a lot of three-on-three, even full-court three-on-three, just so every kid gets a chance to touch the ball. Um, When you run a five-on-five offense, generally 
three kids are our primary target in an offense, either on the left or the right side. We call it the strong and the weak side. So young three is the culmination of big three youth initiative um, that not only is sponsored by Adidas, but goes out into the community and gives these resources, uh, teaching the game of basketball in a way that all kids are inclusive offensively and defensively, but also gives them the opportunity to compete. So we start off with, um, you know, the normal basketball clinic of going through various offensive, defensive uh, maneuvers in order to teach kids some of the fundamentals, but also get to the ones that are also advanced. Right, so you're traveling. You're traveling with basketball, and uh, so That's the big right. three, and so the markets, the big three goes, and young three's automatically in. And so, how do you find the venues? Yeah, so we uh, we partnered with Boys and Girls Club um, our first two years in order to have the venues and also reach the community at its depth, at the, at its core, and you know, kids that normally don't have these type of opportunities. Uh, Young Three is completely free. Um, it's sponsored by Adidas, so the basketballs we are generally donated to um, the facilities. Um, the kids are gifted uh, jerseys and T-shirts, as well as uh, medals and awards if they uh, if they win or end up being a finalist. And then we also, you know, feed them throughout the day and uh, and make sure they're getting not only the basketball, um, the, the support they need from, a, uh, from the intake perspective, but also, as you know, as you know uh, we give them a little bit of off the court, which is talking about life circumstances, uh, using basketball as a tool um, for success in life, and uh, those are kind of things that are needed in the community. Yeah, it, it's awesome. I've had the... Uh the opportunity to to see a couple up close and personal, one in New York and another in New Orleans. And I'm telling you, it's been uh, great. You're, you're, you're an awesome role model and, and also an influencer, which, which really leads us into something else that's near and dear to your heart that, that's even more powerful, and that is shooting for peace. Uh, so why don't you talk a little bit about that? Wow, shooting for peace, you know, is, is um, you know, something I've I, – you know, started in segments, you know, when I was back in 1997, I, the year after I was drafted to the Detroit Pistons, uh, my brother pointed out the need uh, for financial literacy in our community. And I ended up doing a program that taught kids about credit and banking and uh, not putting their, uh, cashing their checks at the local liquor stores, uh, but, but actually starting their own bank accounts and building their credit and that was and that was that was huge. It got me a Fannie Mae award back in nineteen ninety seven and I continued to build on those programs throughout my NBA career when I was with the New York Knicks. Um, partnered with Chase Bank and JP Morgan and we did a financial literacy program in Brooklyn, New York, um, for about three to four years. And, you know, the the program has has since been elevated. Uh we went and got all the NBRPA, National Basketball Retired Player Association chapter presidents, to approve uh, shooting for peace in their cities. And uh, basically where it started and what that came down to, Larry, was just 
uh, you know, wanting to impact the neighborhoods, impact the communities in ways to promote peace. And, and that's a, that's a loaded, uh, element because, you know, peace comes in many different forms, uh, for, for from a sports perspective, we wanted it to shed light on not only the sport of basketball, having games with legends and high school students, but also focusing on education. And that education for us uh, was financial literacy and African-American history. We feel like in the communities um, at large, uh, we wanted to put education in the school, not after school, not before school, not on the weekends. Uh, we wanted our program to be an uh, in-school program. So we that guaranteed more students uh, being educated on African-American history, which gives them a sense of who they are, uh, what uh, history was been laid down before them to get them to this point today, um, and then, you know, make them initiate and encourage encourage them to, you know, see their own futures and their future successes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we program, give them the examples. Right, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, this program has been wildly, wildly successful. I don't want to get out of this part of the discussion without you talking specifically about just how successful this program has been. You said just how the program, I'm sorry. Just how successful this program has been. Oh, man, the success has been uh, tremendous over $8.7 million scholarships that have been given to us uh, and through us through HBCUs. That's what I'm talking Talladega, about. Yep, Alabama University, um, Dillard University, and others um, who have come to the table and supplied uh, youth, high school seniors, um, who meet the academic standards. And there are various levels of academics, um, kids that start off with uh, 3.0, uh, GPAs and up and test well on their ACT or SAT scores are all um, part of that um, intake of data that supplies the scholarships through Shooting for Peace. So we're very happy to be partnered with um, EverFi, a company that's supplying African American 306 program in the schools for us, as well as our financial literacy program. They're partnered with over 120,000 schools across the U.S. So we want as much support as possible because we there's a lot of schools that, you know, we're, we're in 120, 130 schools as of right now. So, so you can imagine if we were in all 120,000, the type of opportunities we would be able to share with students across this nation. And that's what Shooting for Peace is about because – in order to have peace, you know, you have to have an educated society. Um, data shows that, you know, if you're able to educate uh, minorities, um, people with socioeconomic um, underdevelopment, uh, society does best. There's less people in prisons. There's more people being productive in, in society. And that's what Shooting for Peace aims to do with a group of chapter presidents and National Basketball retired players that come together to create something for the community and it's all through basketball. Hey, look, I absolutely applaud your efforts. Uh, look, we've known each other for a while, JYD, man, uh, you know, somewhere between 17 and 20 years. I- I'm telling you, 
uh, you've always had a tremendous amount of energy. You've always uh, been about to give back. I mean, you've always, uh, you know, been been that role model guy. Um, where does your drive to give back come from? You know what? The drive is simply this, Larry. Someone did it for me. Uh, you know, the greatest gift that you can give someone is to pay it forward. Um, when people were gifting me with various things, opportunities, scholarships, uh, um, help, financial aid, um, I'd always say, hey, I'm going to pay you back. And 99.9% of those people said, you don't have to pay me back. Pay it forward. Just help someone else. And I've never forgotten those words echoing in my in my uh, in my head and in my ears is just pay it forward. That's all I'm doing. Just doing exactly what what I promised I would do. You know, when they said I didn't have to pay them back, they just said pay it to someone else. That's cool. Um, that's so cool. I'm yeah, that's I'm making cool. sure that that's what that's what gets handled. Well, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a witness. That's that's what you're doing. Um, listen, um, right now, so many parents for the first time for some of them are having to spend a lot of time with their children. They're having to be, you know, the, they can't get out of the way now. Their kids are watching them. They're having to be involved in their kids' education. Um, your kids are involved in sports, um, and not only in sports, but I see you carry them along. You know, you've been involved, coach, cheerleader, motivator. Uh, what, what kind of uh, wisdom can you share with parents that, that are just addressing it for the first time? You know, parenting is the toughest job on the planet, and uh, I, I admire all the parents out there that try to develop and grow every day. Um, this, you know, COVID-19 uh, pandemic has put a lot of parents in an unfamiliar territory in terms of homeschooling, in terms of keeping their kids active, and I empathize with that because I'm, I'm going through it myself. The main thing, I think, is just, it's use this as a tool to get closer to your kids, um, be creative with their spirituality, uh, use this time to conversate with them more, uh, educate with them more and, um, you know, keep them, keep them calm. You know, they, they're learning from you. They're learning how to deal with, uh, you know, stress through these types of environments. And, you know, I just encourage all the parents out there to stay calm, um, be creative. Uh, you know, everybody's different. You could do board games, you could talk, you could read books together. Um, you could watch some favorite shows, um, or get into some different shows. I know we've been watching a lot of discovery channel, and, mm -hmm. you know, educational things. I, I watched a PBS, uh, program the other day, uh, you know, talking about the indigenous, uh, Indian, uh, and some of the things they're dealing with at the, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And, you know, um, you know, this is a time that you want to also make sure the kids are being active and, you know, it's a good, good thing for parents to do too. So, you know, my son and I, uh, I've, I've been going through the drills with them just so I can, uh, uh, keep the blood flowing. And that's always, uh, helpful for not only yourself as a parent, but, uh, helpful to your, to your children. So that's the main thing I would um, say, Larry, is just to be creative, um, be encouraged, 
um, staying positive. You know, that's, that's, that's key. And just know that those eyes are watching. They're, they're looking at all the stress around the nation and seeing people pulling stuff off shelves and um, seeing all the sickness around. They, they need some, some sort of uh, light at the end of the tunnel, and that's usually the parents. That, that's good. That's good. Look, before we get out of here, I, I want to talk to you about something that, uh, that not only affected the basketball world, and I know you personally, but affected all of us, and that is that we lost Kobe this year. And, and it was, and I'm not overstating it to say, a blow to the world. Uh, why don't you give us your thoughts on Kobe and his legacy? Well, you know, Kobe was, uh, he was in my draft class. And uh, 1996 was a, was a huge, huge draft. You know, you have a, a number of Hall of Famers in that draft. Um, Allen Iverson, Steve Nash, Ray Allen. Um, you know, so Kobe, Kobe was a part of a part of those many great players. And seeing his growth throughout uh, his career was alongside while I was playing. He wasn't uh, the number one pick in that draft. You know, he went number 13. And, uh, but throughout his career, he proved that his work ethic, um, was what made him famous. It was a drive. It was a commitment. It was consistency. It was the, you know, the basically the mama mentality of always trying to improve. And that's what you saw throughout his career through injury and pain and, uh, you know, triumph that you saw this this burning desire to be the best and Kobe was hard to know as a as an opponent because of that mentality so we didn't get to know each other that well throughout our career but it was just such a mutual respect um, for what he was doing and then when I retired early I continued to watch him and he was one of my favorite players to watch because of all of those things. Um, you knew what you were going to get from Kobe. His commitment was unparalleled and you, you, you were willing to pay for that. And that's a testament to him. Now, once he retired, I did have the opportunity to talk with him a few times because both of our kids playing volleyball, I'd see him at local tournaments and we chat and he, he tell me, Hey, he's proud of me. I'd say the same thing to him. Um, he asked me what I, what I was doing, what I was working on. He would talk about those kind of things. And he'd tell me about his daughters and how much he was just committed to them. Um, I remember we talked about doing some media together and saying, Hey Jay, I'm, I'm right now. I'm just focused on these kids and my wife. And I, and I totally respected that. He, he would he would say it's their time now, you know, their time. And you could see that. You could see him out with his daughters. You you know, you you hear the stories about him going to church with his family and and, you know, putting his daughters in their car seats at church and after church, um, and making sure they had like a donut after church. I and mean, these these are the kind of things that, you know, just just ring home because he was pushing. He was pushing for um, change in the WNBA. He was setting up uh, Gigi and 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 his and his family, 
for other things. And, you know, I just, I just totally respect uh, the man he was, he was trying to be. And his legacy is what is being played out now. The things that we talk about, the things that are said and echoed throughout the communities and the world, uh, mama mentality and players living up to that code and that level of excellence. He has made a mark and uh, we continue to pray for his wife, Vanessa, and his children um, that are still here because uh, they're, they're definitely missing a, a great person and a great dad, all-time competitor, and uh, the NBA is, is surely losing one of the greats. Yeah, yeah. Look, great uh, and, and eloquent stated. Um, listen, this has been a blast. And JYD, thank you very, very much for being my first guest uh, for my Admire broadcast. Um, I'm looking forward to doing a whole bunch more. I'm looking forward already to, to having you back. Uh, but definitely appreciate it. And, um, and look, you know, uh, be safe out there. Any final thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, my final thought is a shout-out to Larry Wooder. You know, just doing what you're doing, Larry. You just keep doing that because you're, 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 you're enhancing, you know, society by your podcast and not just that, but you as a person. So I want to just shed light on that and just thank you for always being a positive mentor to so many um, celebrities, athletes, and people throughout the community, myself, because um, it needs to be stated. So me being the first person on the show, I want to give a shout-out to Larry, all that you're doing, uh, your wife and your family, uh, blessings to them. And uh, and then, of course, all my Dog Pound fans out there who are listening to this show, that's right, JYD was first, and uh, and I take that to heart. Dog Pound. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. You be well. You too.